Hi, welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I am the film critic for the website Quipster.net. I thank you so much for checking in with this podcast. I do hope you enjoy it. And if you do, I do encourage you to click the subscribe button and you'll be able to listen to all of my reviews as they come out throughout the rest of this year and hopefully beyond. Today I'm going to be looking at a much belated sequel. It's called Finding Dory. I'm not really sure if you call it a sequel or a spin-off, since it's kind of both. It's an animated adventure comedy. It's PG-rated because of mild thematic elements, and it runs an hour and 37 minutes. Ellen DeGeneres returns in her iconic role. Albert Brooks also joins her in a supporting role. Ed O'Neill, Caitlin Olsen, Hayden Rollins, Ty Burrell... Diane Keaton and Eugene Levy are just some of the rest of the vocal talent that you'll find in Finding Dory. The directors are Andrew Stanton and Angus McLean. Andrew Stanton also writes the screenplay. Finding Dory is coming out 13 years after the wildly beloved Finding Nemo, and it's seeking here to give fans of that first film the full story on what was originally just a comic relief side character. In this year of belated sequels to films that definitely did not need any sequels, Finding Dory is one of the rare exceptions on whether it's worth one more go-around to haul the family out to the theater to see. As with the best of the Pixar films, Finding Dory delivers a good mix of humor and emotional content. It has heartening themes of family that will likely have parents and kids hugging one another just a little bit tighter the next time they do so after seeing this film together. While I don't think that it's quite as good as Finding Nemo, I mean few films are, and most fans of the studio, Pixar, are not likely to rank it among the upper echelon of Pixar releases. I mean, even those people who find Finding Dory to be very entertaining, I don't think we'll quite put it in the top five, but I do think that it's still a far better film than sequels that they've done recently, like Cars 2 and Monsters University. Now, with the exception of a few flashbacks to Dory's early days as a baby fish with her loving mother and father, most of the events of this follow-up take place about a year after the adventure that you would find in Finding Nemo. Ellen DeGeneres returns to voice that short-term memory-addled blue-tang fish named Dory. She continues her friendship with clownfishes named Marlin and his son Nemo that we enjoyed the adventures of in the first film. They're living in the Pacific Reefs near Australia and Dory is struggling to remember her parents that she was once separated from at an early age. Though she sometimes remembers fragments of those early days, especially recently, and she soon gets enough clues that allows her to set out on her own to try to find those parents in what she remembers to be called the Jewel of Morro Bay, California. Now, I happen to live not very far away from Morro Bay, and I've visited there quite a few times. This definitely is a fictionalized version of Morro Bay. It is near the coast, but it is not quite the way that it seems in this film. But I digress. Marlin here, the worry wart, he's not really that hyped up on going along for the ride, but he does with excitable Nemo in tow. Dory sets off on her quest for a hopefully happy reunion across the Pacific where a marine life rehabilitation facility may hold the key to the mystery of the parental whereabouts, if only the new creatures that Dory meets can help her remember all of these clues along the way. Now, while we see many of the same cartoonish but appealing characters as we did in the first film, and Finding Dory also features a plotline of one family member in search of others, I do think that Finding Dory manages to find just enough 
separation in terms of its locales and the basic structure of its story to minimize the typical sequel weakness of being merely a regurgitation of the first entry. There are new characters here that bring forth new jokes and new settings, and it utilizes a lot of photorealistic environments outside of the ocean that gives it that visual pop, and it breathes new life into this storyline that could have easily come off as stale leftovers. There are also quite a few surprising moments of sympathetic seriousness to be found within this story. And also, it rounds out surprisingly well this character that had largely been pretty one-note in her original appearance in Finding Nemo. This feels like a very fully realized character for us to enjoy. I have to admit, I was not fond of the Dory character from the first film. In fact, that was my least favorite element of Finding Nemo. And yet... This film won me over fairly effortlessly in terms of making me care about the blue tank fish with the rambunctious personality. The themes here of family and what it means to find home are still here, but rarely in such a way that they feel regurgitated, at least for those who have several years separating the viewings of both films like I do. I suppose future generations will probably watch them back to back, but I suspect that most of those viewers will be kids and probably won't catch on or mind the fact that they're getting some somewhat similar films here. Returning as a creative force is Andrew Stanton. He co-wrote and co-directed the original Finding Nemo, and he brilliantly handles the many turns in the narrative and that heartwarming tone of this emotionally layered film without much of a hiccup. It's not as impactful in either of those as Finding Nemo, and maybe it doesn't really merit the same rewatchability factor of the original film, but I do think that there's plenty here to be impressed with on a first-time watch, maybe on a second and third as well. As for where the film series goes from here, if indeed it does, there are a number of potential secondary characters who are also worthy of seeing in their own quest. We get Hank, the crafty chameleon-like octopus, or I should say Septopus, because he's missing one of his eight arms. And Hank is looking for a free pass to a life at the Cleveland Zoo of Ease. There is also Destiny, the nearsighted whale shark, and Bailey, the echolocation-challenged beluga whale. There's also a couple of rascally cockney sea lions named Rudder and Fluke, and one of them voiced by Idris Elba, who is apparently on a Disney kick. This is the third film so far in 2016 that he's done voices for, including Zootopia and Jungle Book. Now, if those films featuring those characters can be of the same quality as the first two, should they make them, I do hope that it won't be another 13 years before we see any of these characters again. I'm giving... Finding Dory, three and a half stars out of four. I gave the original Finding Nemo four stars. I don't think it's quite as good as that, so I'm going to give it a tick below. Three and a half stars for Finding Dory. I do think that this is a good film for fans of the first film. They should definitely check it out. Don't expect a home run here, but I do think that this is a solid evening of entertainment for you and your family. I also want to mention before I go that there are extra scenes that are featuring the characters during the credits. And there is a short extra stinger after the credits, so if you're wondering, yes, you can stick around and see a little bit more. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the review. I do want to encourage you to leave a review on iTunes if you happen to enjoy this review or any of my other reviews. Let other people know what you think of the show. Also, if you want to find all of my written work, you can find over 3,800. Yes, 3,800. I'm approaching 4,000 very quickly. Written 
film reviews covering classic films, new releases, and all things in between. You can go to quipster.net to find out more. That's Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Until next time, I hope that you enjoy your movie-watching experiences, and I do think that if you go check out Finding Dory, that you likely will. 